Welcome to the Holistic Lifestyle Podcast, where I help busy Christian moms create schedules that eliminate stress, ditch toxins, and experience God-given freedom of peace. Hey guys, so please bear with me through the pause that's about to come up. I was having some technical difficulties, but it gets worked out pretty quickly. Can you hear me? Okay. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell people a little, a little bit about you. Okay. Yeah. So, so I'm Michelle Despierdo and I am a pediatric sleep consultant. I own the business Goodnight Families and I've been doing this for about a year. So the reason that I'm in this is because of my oldest, who is four and a half, he did not sleep well. I, it took us a long time to get pregnant. So when everyone was like, sleep now while you can, da, 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 I didn't even care. Like the newborn phase, I was still on cloud nine. Like I didn't care. I wasn't sleeping. It was just bliss until it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, now I can't get him to sleep. I need sleep. I was just so exhausted. And I didn't like hearing him cry. I don't know a parent that loves to hear their child cry. Um, but like I said, having that, like all that long journey to get pregnant and then having him like it. Like it physically felt ill hearing him be upset. And so we did some bed sharing for a while um, and that worked until it didn't. <laughs> um, and when I say it didn't work, I mean that like Copeland, my oldest was not sleeping even in the bed with me. Um, he was breastfed. He still like, he didn't care to eat in the middle of the night. He just wanted to play and mama didn't want to play at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. <laughs> so um we just we had to do something and so we did some super super gentle sleep training um and at this point he was like 10 11 months old and it just it wasn't working for us and I don't know if part of it was because of his age or I was just so exhausted and he is more on the strong-willed side that me being present and being so involved in it, it was almost making him more angry <laughs> than it was yeah. being helpful. And I was getting angry and it was just, it was a bad situation. So I kind of flipped the script and we kind of went the other extreme. I didn't know then what I know now. Um, I do have a piece about what we did. Like I don't have anything necessarily bad to say about Cry It Out. Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there about it. Uh, but he's in a loving home and I surrounded him with love and kisses all day long, but it was to the point that like, I had no clue what else to do. Google stressed me out. I kept hearing you're going to ruin your child one way or the other, whether <laughs> I did super gentle or cried out either way. I'm like, he's screwed. So I'm just going to like, <laughs> we need sleep. So anyways, long story short, finally got him sleeping. And then when I got pregnant with my second, I told my husband, I'm like, I am not doing that again. Uh, it was a major trigger. I did have postpartum anxiety and depression, which I am predisposed to both of those anyways. Um, so, and the lack of sleep and then the stress around his sleep was a major trigger. So I'm like, I am not doing that again, especially then now having a toddler <laughs> to chase after too. I was like, I need to get the best sleep I possibly can with a, a newborn and up uh, because you are going to be waking up. So yeah. I purchased a plan from a sleep consultant that I actually found after Copeland had already been sleeping well, but she kind of reaffirmed a lot of the things that I did do. And then she was just a wealth of information and I adored her. So I bought her newborn course and um, we I devoured it. My husband's like, just tell me what to do, if anything. <laughs> so uh, we watched it together and um, anyways, Ford is a great sleeper. We did do a little bit of sleep training when he was um, four or five months old, 
um, but nothing major because he had already had a great foundation. Um, I was getting much better sleep and I had confidence, like even the nights that like cord was up way more or things that didn't necessarily go the way that I necessarily hoped, I didn't feel lost. Like I had a roadmap to go back to. I had a resource to turn to, to figure out like how to get back on track um, or even just to have the reassurance of like, this is normal. It's okay that he's doing this or whatever. So, um, and I absolutely loved it. And all of my friends close to me know that like, that's pretty much, they're like, how are you doing? And I jump straight to like how well my children are sleeping. And so like, I just loved sharing the things that I was learning on getting good sleep and the importance of it, which I, as soon as you, uh, you may not realize the importance of sleep, but as soon as you're not getting it, you're like, well, geez, that's pretty important because <laughs> I feel like a totally different person and I'm miserable that I'm not sleeping. So you don't really need to know the science to know that sleep is a good thing. So um, anyways, the same consultant that I had found bought the course run, she had on, she has the podcast, um, she had a um, information about becoming a sleep consultant. And she had this like woman on that um, shared kind of things that would help you know whether or not you'd be a good fit. And I checked all the boxes. Um, so anyways, I talked to my husband about it and he's like, I think you'd be great for it. My concern was like, I've always wanted to be a stay at home mom. And that's where my number one drive and passion is, is to be home with my children. But uh, at the same time, it was just, it's a good, this is a good outlet for me to also help other moms, whether they're stay at home or work from home or work out of the home to be able to pour into them. So anyways, I did do that course and um, yeah, so <laughs> I finished up last year and my business has been kind of steadily building and growing and um, it's just been great, but yeah, so. That's how I started this and pouring into other moms. But yeah, I guess more personal. I have a husband. I probably could have started with that. I have a husband, Kyle. He and I have been married for 15 years now. We got married young. I was 20 and he was 21. Um, and we have two boys. Like I said, uh, it took a while to get pregnant. So we had been married 10 years before we had Copeland, who is now four and a half, and then Ford, who is um, 20 months. So. Nice. Hi, this is <laughs> yeah. woke up. He's like, let me out of here. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't see. I was just nursing my younger one. But I, uh, I'm curious about the misinformation about cry it out because I actually ended up having to do a little bit of that. So mm -hmm. with our older one, he, right. yeah, like just like you, we did all the you know, gentle kind of methods mm -hmm. and he got angry at us, uh, like angry yeah. at us. <laughs> yeah. we did, like, the whole They're like, dude, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. and, like, you, you know, you sit in the chair and you move a little further away or like, you mm -hmm. pat, or what do we do? We did the one where it was like, you tell him, oh, you know, good job, good job for quieting down. And it, it worked at first and then it switched uh -huh. and he would just, <laughs> yeah as yeah. soon as we said something so exactly. we ended up having to do some like a small form it was like 15 minutes you know we'd let him yeah lead and check and he would go to sleep and it worked and now we're in it all over again actually right now with mm -hmm. you know Luke and yeah. it's been interesting in some ways it's a little easier I think because mm -hmm. mentally we were more prepared, you know, going yeah. into it because, yeah. you know, we've been through it, you know, once, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's still, you know, the crying doesn't bother my husband, really. <laughs> Not so yeah. much. The crying bothers <laughs> me. And, he, yeah. you know, he does pretty good during his daytime naps, but as far as at night, it's a little harder. And my husband, Dan, he's been really helpful actually at night at first right. I was handling it all but this past week actually he has been like up every hour he's waking up but I'm like I can't do it I'm ready to just <laughs> so let's go back <laughs> yeah he's doing even better than I am with that but I'm I'm curious because I haven't really heard much info on cried out besides that negative you know thoughts and I even right. have negative thoughts and so I'm kind of curious yeah. what you've learned a little bit about misinformation with that if you okay okay you yeah. need to go yeah go ahead yeah I'll, I'll be right back go ahead. <laughs> taking a potty break yeah 
Okay, we are back from potty break. And yeah. I set Luke down. He's playing. He didn't want to go to sleep, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was asking you about the misinformation on Cry It Out. Like, tell us some about yeah. that. Okay, so with Cry It Out, there's some studies that have been out about the elevated cortisol levels that come with the crying. And there's even to the extreme that it could cause brain damage and poor attachment to parent and stuff like that. So when it comes to the study that has the quote unquote evidence that it causes poor attachment or brain damage, that sort of stuff, the study that they're pulling from is actually a study done from an orphanage in a third world country dealing with orphans who have been completely neglected, not only for a few hours in the evening, but for days upon days to the point that they don't even cry anymore because no, they know no one is going to come. That is not going to happen to a child that is in a loving home that goes just a few hours for a few days because typically cry it out if you do that, that method. It does only take a couple days and then they're not crying that much. But it's not because they don't think that you're not going to respond to them again, but it's just because they have learned a way to soothe themselves to sleep and the reason that I can say that and not think that they're not going to be calling out to you anymore because if they are sick if they do need something um after they're sleeping well they're going to call out again and you are going to respond it's not a forever indefinitely you're never going to respond to your child again in the night it is just in in that season when you know your child is healthy um you know that they're um taken care of they're in clean clothes and all that sort of stuff and then from that point on, they're sleeping well than if they cry out. And they will, they will cry out. So that's one of the misinformation. And then I actually was just listening about a study done on Cry It Out where they had 25 mothers and children. First, they had the, the moms and the little babies go to a sleep lab. So already the children are outside of their normal environment. They, after they did the sleep training, they did the Cry It Out, they tested the mother's cortisol levels and the baby's cortisol levels. So they didn't even do like a baseline cortisol level. And they said that like before they started that the moms and the babies were equal that after that first night. And then, so they were considered elevated after the crying. And then a couple, after a few nights of it, the mom's level of cortisol had gone down, but the baby's was still at the same, even though the baby wasn't crying anymore. So they're their thought on it was the fact that even though the baby's not crying, they're still stressed out. But there's just so many holes in that study <laughs> that for one, again, they were at a sleep lab and not at home. So I know um, even with being a baby, they're aware of their environment. Um, and so that could elevate, but they never did a baseline test of the cortisol level. So that in itself may or may not have been elevated. They don't know. So, um, and then there were stress that the mom and the baby were out of sync. I don't really, I mean, my part of my thought on that is that it doesn't mean that you're not connected to your child anymore just because your hormone levels aren't exactly the same as your child. Um, my first take on that was thinking that, um, of course, the mother may be less stressed. I'm listening, I'm grab no, oh, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Um, but the, the stress level may have decreased in the mother because she wasn't hearing her baby cry anymore and she was um knowing that her baby was safe she knew that they were getting the sleep that they need so that is potentially why the mothers had gone down but again um it was just such a small test group they were out of their environment they didn't have a great baseline and they just kind of um jumped to conclusions it's almost like they did the study just to kind of prove their own point instead of really going at it from an open um viewpoint but uh, I don't jump, like, this is one of those things, too, when it comes to sleep training, it has a bad rap because a lot of people think of just the specific technique that you use um, at bedtime or at nap time, where when you work with a consultant or you, um, even if you're, like, Googling and you find a site that has a bunch of information about sleep, like mine, I have a blog, um, but it talks more than just the technique, it is all about sleep hygiene, how you build your days so that you promote great sleep. Like we want to set our children up for success in all areas of their life. And if you have a child 
that is like my first or even like your first that does not like that much interaction. A lot of times the gentle approaches for more strong-willed independent children are not actually gentle because it just makes them angry. We kind of confuse the fact that our presence is, is the only thing that comforts and that's not necessarily true. Um, so anyway, sometimes the more gentle method can be the one that is not considered gentle. So for my child and for my own mental health, <laughs> it was better for me to step away. And that's another thing to kind of think about when it comes to cry it out is we don't live in a world anymore where it is very conducive for being up every hour on the hour throughout the night and then still be able to function the next day. Yeah. There are tons of moms that, I mean, even if you're a stay-at-home mom, like I am a stay-at-home mom, I still have other responsibilities that I need to do. I can't just sleep when the baby sleeps. Um, yeah. Thankfully, I did have more of that option when it was just my first, but I wouldn't have been able to do that um, with my second. Um, and I remember worrying about tomorrow, quote unquote, when I was my first thinking like, I can't do this with my second, like, how am I going to do this? So, um, but all that to say, you have to think about the whole picture. Like we, of course, don't want to hear our children cry, but we also have to realize are our interactions really connecting with our kids? If we are sleep deprived and anxious and ragey, because that was a feeling and emotion that I had never experienced in my life until I became a mother. Like I didn't know rage. I'm like, motherhood gives you the whole spectrum of emotions. It's like you go with this tiny little spectrum and then you have a child and you've never known love like this, but you've also known anger like this. Before so, yeah. um, but it's just looking at that whole, the whole picture. And if a few nights of tears is what your family needs to end the long run be more connected and healthy and whole it's okay but again looking at not just the technique but ways that you can set it up so that even though you're going to not be returning in the night while they're learning to sleep there still aren't going to be as many tears it's not going to be a full 12 hours of screaming and which I would never recommend for any yeah. parent to ever do <laughs> if your child is crying that much something else is going on <laughs> but, oh, yeah um, that's super interesting to hear about just kind of the studies, you know, and how mm -hmm. they're not just because you see a study, you think, oh, factual, you know, and right. oh, it turns out you yeah. need to look into the study. You have to study the study. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Man, have a gotta... discerning mind. Ask mm -hmm. questions. Um, don't take everything at face value. And then everything that I'm saying, too, like, I mean, and this is just the little like footnotes of the study. So I will actually, Desiree, give you the information about the studies and you can put it in your show notes so that people can go look at it themselves and and look at it and study it for that your own sake great. you know and yeah, yeah. So. I love that I love sharing information for us to because you know it's nice to hear things from people and I think it makes it a lot easier like easier you know yeah. if someone puts you know a link to something and then you can go and look into it it makes the process just so much quicker yeah. honestly <laughs> but yeah. it is good to still go and you know look into that and yeah that's such that's such a bummer that that happens you know just the stress yeah. associated with sleep training and it's so true that kids will give us you know this full range of emotions like I used to I used to nanny actually and I was so patient yeah. with kids and I different feel like my is totally different with my own kids yeah. and it's you don't get a break you know and yeah so, and that's the thing yeah and I don't want to ever you know kids are a blessing so I don't want to ever feel Absolutely. like I don't want to have another kid because this is so hard and so stressful and I'm so exhausted I'm by the way one of those people that I liked sleep before having a kid. <laughs> I was like yes. nine hours of sleep and I still want nine hours of sleep, but I more so get like same. seven. But yeah. Yeah. In the same way. Yeah. yeah. You know, they should be a blessing and, you know, setting up. I guess I haven't really paid attention to setting up things that support the sleep training, but mm -hmm. in a way we have, for example, like food you know, making mm -hmm. sure they're nursed well or have had, right. we're introducing solids because he's like seven mm -hmm. months now. And so we've been introducing food and we'll try and give them food lunchtime and before bedtime. And so that's kind of like, okay, 
we know that that's taken care of, you know, actually. Right, right. Yeah. Well, another question would be, when do you think the best time to start sleep training is? Because I've heard mixed things on this. Like I know Mm -hmm. some people that are like a few weeks in, and then I know some people that are four months. And even that was like, wow, impressive. I actually watched a kid that was four months old and did great. Just put her down and yeah. she to sleep. And then other people are more like, oh, around six months, two years. Like it just, it varies extremely. Yeah. So what do you yeah. think is the best time for that? So when it comes to actual sleep training, I don't recommend sleep training until at least 16 weeks from due date to do like, whether it's the gentle methods of um, any form of like crying involved or really trying to get them to sleep long stretches at night because newborns do need to eat a lot. They do need to wake in the night. Doesn't mean that we won't have a angel baby that sleeps 12 hour stretches at 10 weeks old. It's known to happen, but not very common. But so I recommend anytime after that, it's totally your call on when, and you don't even ever have to. If some people don't ever really need to technically sleep train, their children gradually learn. But when it comes to sleep shaping, you can do that from day one. And this is really um, sleep shaping is more creating those supporting habits that I was talking about when it comes to sleep training, starting those things from day one, having a great sleep environment, um, gradually like really listening to your baby. I know a lot with especially newborns, they cry, you feed them. And it's like, well, they don't necessarily need to eat every 20 minutes. There are seasons and there may be times where they do, but this is like really in, tune into your child and, and test the waters to see and giving them opportunity, just tiny, tiny little opportunities to be able to try to fall asleep on their own. Um, but it's also good to know that at the newborn stage, they're not developmentally able to sleep like their brains, they're not sleeping the same way that we do. Once they're like that four month sleep regression that gets, <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing until we were going through it. Um, the first what, time. Sleep regressions? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I thought the babies, like, don't babies sleep like babies? Isn't that a good thing? Well, it's not a good thing, apparently. <laughs> but the four month sleep regression is really a progression, really, every sleep regression is a technically a progression they coincide with some sort of developmental leap or milestone but when with the four-month sleep regression it's really has to do with sleep where they're going from newborn like sleep where they don't ever really go into a very deep sleep mm-hmm. and one thought on reason of that is possibly because it's a safety like god-given safety mechanism because of like SIDS, like our, their body, we don't want their body to like go too deep. We want them to stay slightly awake to keep them safe. Um, but uh, anyway, so around that four month time frame is when they start to move into more adult-like sleep. They have all the sleep stages. They do go into deep sleep. They are more alert and awake. Their wake windows stretch and all that stuff. So when you're starting to notice that around the four month time frame, that's a good cue of like, okay, my baby is developmentally ready to sleep independently and now it is okay to start implementing some sort of sleep training technique if you feel comfortable and confident in it because that's the thing too if you just feel like you should do it but you don't want to don't do it because it's not going to work you're not going to be able to stick to it and that's what um, is going to make any sort of sleep training work is the consistency that you can put into it Um, and it's really not fair to the baby to be doing it one night and then the next night do something different and all that. It's just really confusing. And in the long run creates even more tears for everybody involved. (laughs) Yeah. Dan and I definitely agreed upon it, which is nice Mm -hmm. that he's worked with me with that, you know, each time. Absolutely. I'm ready, you know, or he's ready and I'm not, and he'll, he'll work with me, which is nice. (laughs) (laughs) Cause yeah, consistency with everything that can be so hard. Cause you know, life just throw these, you know, just always throws these curveballs at us. Absolutely. And I mean, and the thing too, like progress with anything isn't linear. This is something I tell every family I work with. And even with sleep training, even when you're being consistent, there are going to be nights that you're like, uh, I didn't do anything different. And this child is waking up every hour again. What in the world is happening? Um, it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong, but that is even more reason to stay consistent because 
they're not necessarily, I don't believe, especially young babies, they're not manipulative. They're not trying to get their way. Um, they're still learning and growing. And that's part of it is kind of testing the waters. And so if you can be consistent and respond in the same way, um, that's how they'll learn. But if you're going to be kind of flip-flopping, it's just, again, it's just confusing. And then in the end, creates more tears because then if the next night you're trying to do back to the sleep training technique, you may end up getting longer cry outs because they're like, well, last night it worked. <laughs> like, why am I not getting what I want now? So um, it's just, it's helpful to, to find that time when you're ready for it too, not just your baby. Yeah, that's so interesting to think about actually. And just the idea that progress, you know, isn't, just going to go linear you know it's not and just yeah exactly you're going to have fallbacks and forward so that's really interesting actually yeah no <laughs> in your playroom it's playtime for you it, it's good afternoon time let's go on and play in the playroom I like more light. More, there's just as much light back there the older <laughs> one came out to say hi he does this every once in a while all right go on you can go back to your playroom and play and i'll come and get you soon okay Come on, let's go. All right, I'm going to go and guide him there. So I will be yeah, right back. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm back. Um, I actually set Luke down too because he was asleep there. And I'm like, this is a nice time to just go and set him down. I don't know if he'll <laughs> there you go. Soon, but he's sleeping. So, um, yeah, I was just saying that's really, man, refresh me. I'm having like, <laughs> my brain just went dealing with both kids I'm yeah like, what are we talking about oh, yeah. but progress isn't linear and if you okay. think about it not only with sleep but like really anything that we set out to do yeah um, whether it's with our children learning a new skill or even us learning a new skill <laughs> as in motherhood like one day it's great and the next day you're like what in the world happened I don't know what I'm doing here are That's we supposed so to know what we're doing mind opening to me Good. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I haven't really thought about that. So I'm going to be thinking about that for a little while. Awesome. That's so true. Yeah. Well, yeah. that also kind of brings us into what you would recommend to do if it's just not working, which I think you kind of touched on a little bit of an idea mm -hmm. of like setting yourself up well. Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, so when it comes to it not working, that's when you kind of step back and look at the whole picture. So kind of really look beyond the behavior of your child, look into yourself. Like it's a lot of um, emotional, spiritual work that you kind of go into, um, but it's really looking at the whole picture um, and seeing if it is, if you feel that it is the technique, seeing if the technique is something that is not well suited for you or your child. So for instance, like the same thing that you and I struggled with with our oldest, like we so badly wanted to do a gentle technique, but it just didn't work. And it was because that wasn't what was suited best for our, our boys. Like I have now learned that my oldest is more strong-willed. He is more independent. So that means that he does need a little bit more space when it not only comes to sleep, but when it comes to any sort of skill that he's learning, he doesn't like a hands-on he likes me being present per se, but it doesn't mean that he wants me involved so much. And you may have a different type of child that is more hands-on, wants more interaction, and then you may be able to do more of a gentle approach. But you gotta kind of find, if you're, uh, find the, the grounds where you're both comfortable doing it. Um, if you are not comfortable doing a full-on cry it out, and like I said, if you're gonna do that, you want to still have all your, uh, boxes checked before you go to that technique um, but even if you have and you're just still like I just can't not be in there do a leave and check approach with longer weights um, and I'm even it's better to start with a gentle method and move more I hate to call them less gentle but a less interactive approach um, than it is to do the least interactive and then move to more gentle that is more confusing than gentle to least interactive so Definitely. so if what you want to do if you're really struggling with cried out and some a lot of times it's just because of this negative connotation around cried out um like i said do a leave and check approach and then kind of and that may work but then if you're noticing 
after a few nights that it's like, okay, I'm just making him so angry and it's taking him two hours to fall asleep, then you might feel more comfortable at that point to just let, and I hate to say, just let him cry, but to just let him cry. And he may fall asleep or she may fall asleep much quicker and then get that skill. And I know like I was so worried (laughs) about my oldest letting him cry and that I just, I almost just knew that the next morning when I go, got him out of bed, he would just like have this scowl on his face that like, how dare you kind of thing. But it was the total opposite. Like he was the happiest little kid because he's like, he got a full night's sleep and so did I. So um, there really is, you're not messing with your attachment. Um, And it is, again, it is so hard to hear your child cry. Um, But just knowing that it's that that short focus, but all that to say that you just may need to tweak a few things, whether in the technique or throughout the day. or it just may not be time. Um, it's okay to pause and to try again later. Um, so it's just every child, every family dynamic is different. And just finding what works for you is, is what you got to do. So, and of course, there's always help out there. Yeah. <laughs> Willing and able to help that it's just nice to have um, an outside perspective to sometimes we're too close to a problem that we don't see what's right in front of us. Um, especially when there is lack of sleep involved. So having some extra set of eyes that has not only been through it, but has been trained and knows the science and that sort of stuff is helpful as well. So. Yeah, definitely. I think that it's interesting in the sense that having that outside approach, mm-hmm. like what you're saying, you know, you can look into it a little more factual and being yeah. considerate of emotions, but also not overly emotional about it like right. you know someone yeah. in the situation is most likely going to be which is understandable Absolutely. and so you're saying kind of to pay attention to you know how you're setting things up but also really evaluating and maybe tweaking things uh mm-hmm. to be aware about that that makes a lot of sense actually yeah. and I like that you say yeah. you pause because <laughs> yeah. we've done that yeah with both kids already <laughs> yeah sometimes you have to yeah and that's totally okay and if you're going to tweak instead of pause don't tweak too much (laughs) all at once and then give it a few days um yeah again progress isn't linear and children are growing and developing so quickly and there's just so much going on and there's only so much you can actually control um that it's it takes a couple of days for there to be improvement and so um if it is like night one and you're like oh this isn't working no now is not the time to tweak it give it a good week and if things are still uh, as close to how bad night one may have been um then it's time to start saying okay this this isn't right something is off um and of course this should go before I said anything, check with your pediatrician before you start implementing, especially if you do have some sort of concern or if you've been like tweaking and things just don't seem to be right. There may be some sort of underlying condition um, that could be affecting your child's sleep um, because there there are things that affect their sleep, just like there are things that affect our sleep. They are little humans. So (laughs) um, definitely get them evaluated for that too. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't even really think about that too much, you know, thankfully, because our situations haven't been the worst overall, and there hasn't been any other signs, really. But yeah, if you're really struggling with a kid that's just not having it, that makes sense to check in with your pediatrician to see if anything more is going on. Well, I also had a listener ask a specific question she is not open to cry it out method and is really looking for kind of where to start with getting her five-year-old to sleep in her own bed in her own room. And so what would be just a helpful recommendation for her? Yeah, so at that age, the biggest thing is building her confidence that she can sleep in her own room um, independently, that she's safe and that she is capable Um, and just building her up in that. Uh, A lot of how we communicate with our children isn't so much words, but how we interact with them. Um, So there is zero shame, no judgment in her staying in your bed, but then thinking about 
how you're communicating with her. I want you to stay in your bed because you're safe there. But then having her stay in your bed, it can, can potentially be a little confusing because it's like, well, if I'm safe there, but you're pulling me into here, you know what I'm saying? So kind of building up her confidence in that, gradually talking about it, letting her know um, just the changes that need to be made and why you want them to change. There are, she's old enough that she can understand, obviously, in clear, basic language that is age appropriate of why she um, used to be in her own space and then working with her in it. And that's one thing that I tell the families I work with too, is that this is something that you're doing with your child, not something you're doing to your child. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, and at this age is even more so because, you know, five-year-olds have a lot to say <laughs> and many opinions. And so, and taking those into consideration, letting her have what control um, she can have over the situation. Um, I actually literally, <clears throat> excuse me, like last week, I think it was or the week before, my blog post was all about getting your child out of your bed and into their room. So um, that's another thing that I'll have you to you to <laughs> yes. um, So, but, but another thing in that is to help build confidence is also building independence and autonomy. Um, and one way to do that is having routine cards, um, having a, like, a, I have a planner daily log type thing that you can print out and it's just really a blank sheet and then you can put stickers draw little images that represent the things that your child will be doing throughout the day so that they have more of a not necessarily a say because there are some things that they just you just have to do um, but at least they have some um, expression in it they can see what's going on um, they're part of the conversation and not just again not just something being done to them um, so having those sort of things are great ways to build confidence and then just connecting through the change and being consistent in it. And you don't have to cry it out. Like I said, it's not the only method. And at this age, typically I don't recommend cry it out methods. It's just doesn't work as well because we can communicate with our kids so much better. So mm -hmm. having some sort of parenting fading technique with the chair method like you said that you had tried um that I too tried <laughs> with my <laughs> oldest um but that typically works really great with the uh, older kids and then just gradually working your way in the room um and just open communication and encouragement in that and role playing is another great thing especially um little girls love playing with their dolls and stuff so kind of um, as you're engaging and playing with them, um, entering into your child's world and letting them take the role, but then kind of um, just role playing in that and letting yeah. them look through their dolls or uh, even just together. So it's just a lot of um, building up that confidence. So that's so interesting. Yeah, the concept because my oldest son isn't even, you know, at that age yet. And so mm -hmm. he's he's three. So thinking about, yeah, like a five-year-old, just how much even more you could communicate with them yeah. and work through, you know, teaching them that, you know, gift of sleeping. Cause there's even us adults that struggle with sleeping yeah. and have sorts of, you know, crutches, like, you know, noises and stuff. Like we'll, we'll mm -hmm. listen to, you know, a sound machine, like a fan or something. And while I can sleep without it, you know, I wonder, well, I know my husband struggles more so without it. And so it's mm -hmm. like, you know, I trying too. to pay attention to not implementing crutches too, yeah. I feel like is important. And depending on like, so when it comes to like the sound things that someone else doesn't have to put into the environment, like a pacifier or rocking or nursing, that sort of thing. Um, if it's not one of those, it's fine to have, like, cause we all have, even if we don't sleep with sound, like we have a, a pillow, our favorite pillow. We like to sleep in a certain position. Um, those things are totally fine and actually part of a great healthy sleep environment. A sound machine is, I highly recommend, especially for children and especially children for that are napping because it really does um, insulate their sleep environment. I live in a very, not a super tiny home, but I live in a smaller house, with only like 1300 square feet. My husband and I and our two boys, we each have a room, but they're all right in the same space. And currently my 20 month old is taking a nap that with a shared wall with my 
four and a half year old doing his quote unquote quiet time, but is not so quiet. <laughs> and oh, yeah. my 20 month old sleeps right through it, but he has a sound machine. And I mean, the sound machine is very low, but the he has a box fan near, um, near him. And so I don't have to worry about him waking. I mean, we'll have people over in the evenings and um, I mean, not so much COVID, but when, if we ever do, um, we still put the boys to bed at, you know, a decent hour and people can still hang out and chat. We don't have to whisper once the kids go to bed. So there's lots of reasons that I love the sound machine, but, but all that to say that sleep props, um, there are some that are very beneficial and there are some that aren't. Um, it's another blog post that I have that I can share with you, but um, it's just a great way to be able to, to that's, you know, encourage the environment. And then at five years old too, uh, let them have a say in what their room is like. We want to create a peaceful environment and having, typically having less stuff in their room creates more peace and calmness. So I know you're all about some minimalism and I'm in this season of like just wanting to throw it all away. So it feels really good. <laughs> you know, it's really like I'm striving for it because I'm noticing more and more that it's just, you know, awareness of what's working for you yeah. and what's not versus having nothing. Like you don't have to have nothing. Cause I'm Absolutely. far from that. Like yeah. I, I still like, I struggle with it and that's why I'm sharing it with people because it's like, yeah. it, it shouldn't be this hard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it well, and I think it is, that's just another misconception is that minimalism isn't about the number of things you have. It's mm -hmm. only having things that matter to you. So whether yeah. that's five things or 50 things, if all 50 things matter to you, then have them. Yeah. But if, if they don't, then it's just taking a space in your space and your mind. Yeah, so, um, exactly. Yeah, just finding that's what matters whole... to you specifically. Yeah, I'm like, that's a whole other conversation that I can yeah, get. Yeah, then I can talk about that forever <laughs> too. I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me and in trying to find things that, you know, function well while beating, you know, the misconceptions of things. But Absolutely. maybe another time we'll talk about yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But so that's really helpful. I'll definitely get those blog posts from you to yeah. share in the show notes too. And I'll make sure to send awesome. specifically to the listener so that she yeah. can benefit from that. Um, <laughs> it's not good night time, it's playtime. But <laughs> finally, I wanted to ask you, you know, what would you say to the person that is just terrified of starting sleep training? Um, I personally know that praying about it has helped me so much, but besides that, what would you, or if you want to recommend that as well, like just what would you say to that person that's struggling yeah. with just the thought of it, like can't even get to the starting point? Yeah. Um, for that person, I would say you don't have to start right now. Um, unless you're like truly at the point, like, I know you need to start, but you're just scared. That's a different thing. But if you're like, you're fretting over the future, stop. <laughs> it's hard not to, I understand, but know that um, the Lord provides things that you need in that moment, not necessarily before that moment. So, um, but if you are in the season where you're scared, but you know that you need to for your, for your child's sake and for your family's sake, because you also have to look at your, your relationship with your spouse, like, um, you know, lack of sleep affects that too. So yeah. having a, a community around you, having that support in that, um, and the decisions and then doing, your research, trying not to over-research, there's a fine line in that as well, but then choosing the method that you feel most confident and comfortable in. Like I said, it's nice to start at a somewhat gentle and then move less if you need to, um, but just have a plan. I mean, it boils down to that, having a plan so that when it gets tough, you can just revert back to the plan and say, okay, I have a roadmap. I know what I need to do and stick to it. And then if a week goes by and things are still rough and you're like, okay, let's look at this plan and see what we can tweak um, and move on from there. But you don't have to do it alone. That's another thing I tell my families is um, it doesn't all have to be mom or all dad. Uh, you can, as long as whoever it is is taking care of your child during sleep times and during the day, um, 
is following the plan that you feel is best for you, your family, you can have, have someone help. Like you don't have to do it alone. So have a plan, have a village and, you know, just stay as consistent as possible. So it, it's, it happens, it goes much quicker than most people expect to. Um, night times tend to shape up sooner and quicker than naps. Uh, naps, even if you decide if your child is four months old and you're like, we just gotta do something, do know that naps can take up to like five months to six months old. So like two to two months-ish for them to shape up if their child is four months old. And that's totally normal. You just stay consistent in the plan, follow um, the protocol, but nights shape up within a week. Um, and there's more predictability and consistency. There's just so much um, change in that first year of life when it comes to everything but sleep it's like from newborns newborns are taking like eight to nine naps a day <laughs> all and then at by four months old they're only taking three or four and then by six seven months they're only taking two so i mean it's that's just huge amount of time of transition so have a plan and stay consistent and know that progress isn't linear <laughs> Yes, those are all good reminders. Well, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and sharing Absolutely. all this information. I feel like I've honestly learned a lot and Yay, it, it's, it's a fascinating topic, actually. It is, it is. I'm not even sure why, like sleep? Like, why I, don't is that so I don't know. I've always been intrigued by the body and how it functions and sleep obviously is a major factor in that. But like, it's just, I think part of the fascination with it for me is part of the unknown. Like dreams are yeah. so cool to me. Like we don't really know the purpose of dreams. Like scientists yeah. are like, I don't know. <laughs> there are thoughts sure. and yeah there are theories that but yeah it's such a cool topic and it's, it's really fun to to think about and I mean obviously going through the sleep training isn't always so fun but it's yeah. worth it and um you know we know that children need sleep and yeah. sometimes the road to it is a little rough and rocky but yeah. we can provide the opportunity it's another thing I tell my families is that um letting go of the the quote unquote responsibility of making your child sleep because we can't mm -hmm. <laughs> we can't make our children eat sleep or poop <laughs> we can only provide the opportunities for each so and that's what sleep training is is providing the perfect opportunity for them to sleep and then if you lie them down and they choose not to that's okay like take a breath and know that you will continue to provide that opportunity and they will get the sleep once they find the ways that they can settle themselves so I like how you mentioned sleep shaping I might kind of yes. start using that term instead because it yeah. makes a lot more sense than sleep training yeah. actually yeah yeah well if yeah. people want to get to know you more or get your help or just learn more about all this sleep stuff where yeah. would you like me to send them so my website is goodnightfamilies.com. So I, like I said, I have a blog. I have my information on there about how to work with me. Um, I offer a free 15-minute call for anyone that's interested in working. And this is just a call where um, we get to know each other a little bit. Um, you tell me your sleep issues, and then I'll help you choose a sleep package that would best suit your family. Um, and then we can decide you can decide whether or not you want to work uh, together so that's a good way to kind of get to know each other a little bit um but then I'm also on Instagram mostly and on Facebook both at Goodnight Families. Awesome I will yeah. definitely put links to that awesome. as well and thank you again for taking <laughs> the time yes absolutely as way over here <laughs> I see you struggling with keeping your home clean, with reaching your goals you're working so hard on, trying to figure out what's unhealthy and what's truly not toxic for you and your kids, and you're wondering if it's ever going to be possible, or at least get a bit easier, but it doesn't. 
and you're still having to rack your brain for what to make for dinner as the sun starts to set and your kids start to fuss and then proceed to full-on crying in a matter of minutes, or still trying to finish that project you started months ago, or working so diligently, but the needle just doesn't seem to be moving forward. Finding out that yet another product you use in your home is bad for your health and you just have to get it out of your home but feel too overwhelmed to even start it, let alone find a better option. Confused by the world's guidance and craving God's wisdom and you're so sick of it. I see you. I was you. But let me tell you, there's another way. A way you can experience peace that's so freeing you didn't know possible. A way that you can live healthier and actually afford it. A way that you can have a low-tox home. A way that you can keep your home clean. A way for you to take the extra wasted time and guesswork out of the dinner process. A way to take steps forward in the direction of what's really important to you in your life. A way to actually have fun while you're on your personal journey. I want you to let go of feeling like you have to figure it out all by yourself wasting hours and hours of your precious time and spend only a fraction of that time with me right now i want you to go on over to the link in the description and check out the holistic life academy and i want you to say yes for yourself and it's going to all be so much easier than you think as a 21st century seed to soul mama Desiree brings her listeners straight onto their homestead. While there, Desiree walks you through the intricacies of non-toxic living and a minimalist lifestyle. You can truly hear her heart as she guides you through kids, homesteading, homeschooling, and life in general. Desiree does all of this while lovingly incorporating faith and what is the beginning of her kingdom entrepreneurship journey. Head on over to Apple Podcast if you aren't there already and leave a rating and review on how you're liking the podcast to help me reach more moms so we can all live stress-free. P.S. If you're a working mama, share what you do for work to get featured on the Holistic Lifestyle Podcast. Looking forward to chatting with you next Tuesday. Have a blessed week.